Hi team, welcome to The Wolf Den. I'm your host, Tom Wolf, here to bring you another exciting, hot, scorching hot take from sports. Today's show is going to feature good friend of the program and international correspondent, Andrew, who is calling in from Portugal to talk about NFL and gambling games such as daily fantasy over unders and things like that and give strategies and tips talk about parlays then we're also going to take some time to talk about the picks for this week it's going to be a great time so definitely stay tuned for it please take a look at our website wolfden.com that's wolfden with two n's for all your blog and podcast needs Be sure to follow The Wolf Den on social media. Just search for the term Wolf Den blog, again with two N's, and we can be found on Facebook and Twitter. Also, you can follow the podcast for Wolf Den by following Wolf Den with two N's at SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Tuned In. So that's really cool. The music for today's show is brought to us from the website freemusicarchive.org, which allows you to take any music completely free, complete, you don't have to pay a cent for it, for any presentation that you have. All that they ask is you give a mention on your presentation. So today's music comes to us from the band Death by Ungabunga with the song Strangers in the Sky. The views of this podcast are mine and mine alone. They do not represent any larger ideas than my own opinion or any corporation or anything along those lines. The same goes true for my guests. Their opinions are only theirs. They do not necessarily represent my opinions. So without further ado, let's introduce Andrew and start the show. We are now happy to be joined by good friend of the program, Andrew. Andrew, where are you calling us from? Hey, Tom. Coming to you live from Lisbon, Portugal. Very exciting. We get an international audience, which is cool. How are you doing today? Doing great. have not left my room. I've just been a lazy bum the entire day doing some work and preparing for the podcast. Sounds like you're living the dream. The topic of today's podcast is gambling games and different betting games. And I know that you have history of making good bets as well as questionable bets. So... I wanted to ask you what your favorite football betting game is, over-under, fantasy, daily fantasy, spreads? I like gambling over the daily fantasy. Daily fantasy in theory is fun, but you know, it's just like one guy with a computer putting into a formula and winning 90% of it. Fantasy is okay, except it's like all luck. I'm a huge sucker for the point spreads and then paying for extra points, so I pick three or four games that I think the spreads are ridiculous parlay them against each other and then you get to add points on top of that so i'll pick you know like uh coming up this week if the texans are underdogs at home against new england i'd pick the texans and then two other teams that add seven points to that and that would get the texans you know an extra touchdown so those always almost always lose their total suckers bet and i'm a total sucker but those are my favorite ones to watch so what is the advantage of doing the parlays versus the single games how does that benefit you from a gambling standpoint um, it really doesn't. When you're doing a parlay, you have a lower chance of winning just because you tie both those results together instead of just having two separate results. So your odds are a little bit more increased, but obviously not enough that it's worth it. Um, and when you pick three or four teams on some betting websites, they allow you to go back and take those regular odds as if they were a single bet, and you can add points to your team. So I just like the fact that you can get 
spreads from a huge underdog that's maybe an eight-point favorite and turn it into 15 points, mm-hmm. or get someone that's maybe a, a three-point favorite and turn them into uh, an underdog, which is always good, too. And then I usually end up hitting either three or four or two out of three because, you know, you can never tell what's going on in action in sports. So then you must love the lines where they start as a multi-score down, like minus 10, minus 13, and then just adding on to that. Yeah, like I take Jacksonville a couple years ago when they're like minus 14 every game, and then they'd be a three-touchdown underdog and somehow find a way to lose. Or it'd be something ridiculous, like Washington and the Giants when they're both good, and whoever the home team is gets a three-point favorite. That's kind of like the standard line, so it's... You know, like, Giants-Cowboys, I'm thinking it's going to be a close game. Let's go with the Giants and get 10 points and they lose by 20, something like that. That's what you usually get screwed on. I think that it's always interesting how Vegas comes up with the lines. And uh, I wanted to hear your take on, you know, how they come up with the lines and why. They always seem to get them pretty close, which is crazy. I mean, obviously not all the time, but... They are the original super freak-out researchers. They have people on on the ground at every stadium, every bet that's available, to seeing how healthy the players are psychologically. Do you remember last year, Utah was ranked, I, I want to say, definitely top 15 team. I want to say even maybe top 5 team in the country. Right. Going up, going up against an unranked USC team at home. They're in Utah. And everyone's thinking, oh, okay. So Utah's obviously going to win this game. They're you know, undefeated at the time, like 8-0. USC's a... 6-3 and three team, no, not a bad team, and they're USC. And then the Vegas odds come out with USC minus 5 or 6 points, and everyone jumped on Utah. Right. Everyone jumped on Utah. And then the Trojans won by two touchdowns, something like that. They just know, and I forgot, they interviewed someone who makes the odds, and he said, yeah, you know, we're not going to go for our formula or anything, but we just trust a lot, and we see the, the research shows that, yeah, USC is going to play them well, and somehow pull it off and that is something that just i don't know they always get it right they always get it right it's crazy i mean when you have that much resources devoted to it you're really able to get so eerily accurate which is crazy what's your best betting story that could be either a big win or you could go the other way and say a big loss that you had this isn't mine it was my roommates last year sure it was actually because it was that night um we were watching college football all day it was a rainy day he picked seven underdogs to win. Mm-hmm. The last game was Utah as an underdog. Seven games. He bet uh, five dollars to win just over a thousand. The first four hit. Then an unranked Georgia Tech was, and he picked them all to win, not even the spread or anything. Mm-hmm. Unranked Georgia Tech at number three at Florida State, and that's when Georgia Tech blocked the last minute field goal to win the game in a tied game. Returned it for a touchdown to get that win. Wow. Everything's falling. Two more underdogs won, and then it went to that Utah-USC game, and then by halftime, he kind of knew this thing's done. I can't believe this is happening. Lost by two touchdowns. So he was the only game that was a lock, the very last game of the night, too. Won six out of seven, and was 11 points, 12 points away from winning $950. And I feel like with those like parlay things, it always comes down to just one game, and it's crazy yeah. because... On paper, you know, you can say, this team is so much better than this team, but I guess that's the great thing about sports. It's kind of maddening how that happens, I would say. Absolutely. Let's talk about Survivor Leagues. I know you and I have done multiple joint Survivor Leagues. Can you tell me about the strategies that you would use for those? Yeah, so the strategies for me depends on 
the prize pool and the number of people. Most of the leagues, if you get a big league with only one winner, then the strategy is, you know, go with your gut, take some gambles, and just kind of see what happens. But um, most leagues, you'll get 10, 15, 20 people, some friends, and maybe it's like the first and second place gets a certain prize pool. And what I do in those is I will just pick the favorites that I think are absolute locks for the first or six, seven weeks, see who gets knocked out, and then from there start playing it. I think it's just so many people will get knocked out just on the first three weeks of the season because those are the craziest weeks. So if you are always picking the Patriots or wherever the lock is opening day, right? You never, I never want to save a team. Why save a team for week twelve if they might if you might be eliminated week one? So my strategy for any kind of survivor league is. As long as you can pick the gimmies and then six, seven weeks in, start making decisions. That's a good. That's a good bad spot to be in. So don't get cute with your picks in the beginning. Don't get cute with your pick. Part of that strategy is you're playing every team in your division twice, and those are always tough games. It's so tough to beat a team twice in a year. So that you always have that in your back pocket too, because all the division games are played in you know, the last five or six weeks of the season. What's your favorite sport to, I guess, gamble on? I kind of like the time when NBA and NFL overlap because then you can do a couple of those where I said teaser bets with both sports. So you can do something like I'm going to pick two NFL teams and one NBA team, give both NFL teams six points on the spread and give the NBA team eight points on the spread, things like that. Uh, so it works out well where you can pick two or three different locks that you think are – I mean, it doubles your pool. It doubles the group of competition. Right, yep. Let's talk about fantasy football. Say you're doing fantasy and you're 0-2 after two weeks. What's your strategy to improve your team? and What kind of guys are you targeting? So I have three fantasy football teams, and in all of them, I'm 0-2 after three weeks. <laughs> Perfect. And in all of them, I have gone up against the highest scoring person that week in at least one of those weeks. Well, all three of my teams have given up the most points to the point where I said, it's got to level out, it's got to even out. Right. Now it's valuable where I'm one of the early waiver wire people, so what I try to do right now is find those replacements. Adrian Peterson looks like he's having surgery. It's it's just a logical thing. So you pick you know one of the Viking running backs. So I got Jarek McKinnon. Right. Um, looks like Aaron Foster is going to be in. He's injured now. It seems short term, day to day, week to week. But you know it's going to turn into something. So maybe get third string on the Dolphins, something like that. See if any players are going to break out. You know, a third string wide receiver is maybe better on a pass heavy team than a number two guy on, you know, with no quarterback on San Francisco, something like that. Right, right. So my goal now is 2-0, and you don't need to panic, but you definitely have the guys on your team that were late-round picks that you gambled on that are not performing that you can drop and might as well switch them up right now. Sure, that makes sense. How about the other way? If you're 2-0, and do you stand pat or do you try to be aggressive in moves or trades or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, if you're 2-0, and you, you have the more flexibility that the guys you gamble on. You know, maybe it's a backup quarterback that you're waiting to see if they'll break out or something like that. You can kind of keep them and hang on. I like to kind of just go as hard as I can and go with whatever players are hot for the first for the early week. So if you're winning, you probably got some hot players. I think you stand pat. Maybe take the opposite approach where someone's on, you know, maybe Arian Foster or someone gets uh, injured for 10 weeks on the PUP list or on injured reserve. Maybe pick them up and stash them for weeks 11, 12, 13, something along those lines. Yeah, that's definitely a good strategy. What do you think are the most important things, the pillars to know when you're doing fantasy football? What are like some rules that you just always try to abide by? For fantasy football, it's 
pay at most for one league. I hate when I have three leagues and I have to root for Brandon Marshall in one and not Brandon Marshall in the other, and I'm a Jet fan. And so for me, I notice that a lot of people are way too passionate about their teams, their fantasy teams, and their personal teams. So if I'm going to want to root for my team in the football season, draft a lot of players from that team just so it's easy to root for them. Go with consistency over um, a one-time player. For me, would I have gone with a down season on Matt Ryan versus Blake Bortles to kind of shot out of nowhere? That's kind of a 50-50 right there. Sure. But if I had to make a choice, I'd go with Matt Ryan just because he's got the consistency on his side. He had kind of a down year, but we'll see what happens. And maybe take your gambles late. There's always, always a breakout player that no one ever drafts. Might as well get a throwaway guy that you can maybe have that breakout player. Um, if not, you throw him away and try to pick him up week one. Right, and for those gamble guys, I would always go for the, the younger players, right? As opposed to maybe a proven veteran because they might be near the tail end of their career, but a young guy, you really never yeah. know, so you're rolling the dice. Yeah. Something that I try to do is zig when other people zag. You know, if if there's a run on, I don't know, running backs or something, then you would go for the receivers kind of deal. Tr- yeah, that's and that all depends on what you're, um, if you're talking about the draft, what your team looks like. Because, for example, I will almost always indirectly add, add to that run because I'll see someone like Jeremy Hill, Giovanni Bernard, so is Frank Gore, and then so is Carlos Hyde. So I might say no matter who gets taken, and there might be 12 better receivers ahead of them, I say no matter who's taken, I need a running back and going for Carlos Hyde. If those three running backs go off the board, you know, that my, guy, my guy's still there, it looks like a run. I think that's what happens a lot. That's a really good point. What's your best fantasy story that you have? It can be somebody that you drafted, or it could be a waiver wire pickup, a big win, a big loss. My, best, my biggest win, my favorite win, was I guess three or four years ago, I was up by .3 points going into the Monday Night football game and the only and the other player had Reggie Wayne was his only player left Reggie Wayne and Andrew Luck versus nothing else it wasn't a PPR league Reggie Wayne had one reception for two yards <laughs> that, and that was his worst output of his career and I ended up winning by one tenth of a point um, I've also had those go the other way where I needed someone to get a yard um, for example I had Philip Rivers three or four years ago I needed I needed a pretty big game out of him and so I was holding on. I was down, I think, three points. I needed 75 yards or a touchdown, something like that, to win. The Chiefs, are, they go on a drive and end up stalling. So I'm within a point and a half. The Chiefs miraculously drove down the field to kick a field goal with like 25 seconds left. And it goes to overtime. Something great. This is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. The Chargers hit the ball. Rivers completes a pass. And I'm within, you know, one decent completion on this drive away from winning, they run it twice, um, incomplete pass. It goes to fourth down from their own 30, 40-yard line, and they go for it. Rivers fumbles the snap. Oh, no. uh, Chiefs recover, come down, kick a field goal, win the game, and I lost by like two points because of that. Oh, no, that's terrible. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's definitely yeah. something that everyone can relate to. Like, no matter what, you're going to get screwed over at some point playing fantasy football. I'm really lucky the first few years, the last few years, I'm almost always there's nothing against you but i'm always almost always giving the most points with it in air quotes that's one of those stats that you see and is so infuriating because you're like well there's nothing i can do against it but apparently every time joe schmo plays me you know his his scrubs are getting tons of points so 
I've learned to, I guess, not take it so seriously, which is easier said than done. Uh, as long as there's no loser penalty. And, you know, you got to get that one win. Okay, so why don't we go ahead and talk about the picks for this week. So I'll read you the lines, and then we'll both analyze and say who we like. The first game is tonight. Uh, Texans, one-and-a-half-point underdog versus the Patriots in New England. I'm going with the Texans. It's in New England. I'm still going with the Texans. I think this will be the toughest game for New England until Brady gets back, and we all know pissed-off Brady can do some incredible things. Uh, I absolutely hate New England. Um, I would love if they would just get destroyed tonight. Yeah, I think that I would also say Texans because I don't know about their rookie quarterback and they're dealing with injuries. Gronkowski is a maybe to play. And I think the Texans, they have some warts on their roster, but I think that they are kind of starting to feel feel it out. They're getting a better feel of their star wide receivers in Hopkins and in Fuller. So I think that uh, the Texans should be able to to win that one. That's a much more emotional pick because I, mean, I don't have to do any research. I'm rooting for the Texans. I want them to win, and I think they have a good shot. So Right. The next one is the Bills are four-and-a-half-point underdogs versus the Cardinals at Buffalo. It's a September game at Buffalo, so I don't think that really hurts Arizona at all. Buffalo was completely outplayed by my Jets last week, and yet they still managed to keep it close. I pinned that more on the Jets giving up three big plays. They get gave up 21 points on three plays. Um, the Cardinals' defense is better than the Jets. Toronto's one of the, the better defense, best defenses in the NFL. It's you know if this was a December game, if it's snowy, windy, anything like that, Bills have a shot. But no, Arizona's just going to be great there. They got three different running backs that can take the ball, that can keep each other fresh. Um, three different receivers that can make a play, and you know a September game in Buffalo. I I don't think. Anyone's going to slow down Arizona. Buffalo doesn't have enough firepower to keep it going. So I think Arizona takes care of that easily. I would agree with you on that. I think Arizona has a very complete roster on both sides of the ball. And I feel like the Bills just, they do not look good to start the season. I mean, Watkins, I think, has that potential to be a really good receiver in the league. But he's been dealing with injuries and their defense looks very questionable right now. I think the Bills are a mess right now, and I think the Cardinals are easily going to to win that one. The next one we have is the Vikings are getting six and a half against the Panthers in Carolina. So that's interesting because as of right now, it's in Carolina. The game might be moved. I'm not sure where they're. I didn't read to see where they might move it to, but with the riots going down there, um, you know, it's it's going to be. What kind of a distraction is this for the Carolina crowd? Uh, the Vikings have a sneakily pretty good defense. Um, it seems like Bradford and Diggs have a pretty good connection and relationship. The Panthers are not the 15-1 and team. Never, they never were really a 15-1 and team. I think they'll play well, but I can also see Minnesota playing, playing well. Neither team makes big errors. I think Carolina would be more prone to make the big errors, especially if they're playing a little more emotional. I'm actually going to give this one to the Vikings. I think that I would have the Panthers winning, but I think I would pick the Vikings to to cover that spread. And talent-wise, I think that these teams are not as far apart as it may seem. And I think that having a good defense will benefit Minnesota and keep it competitive. Next up, we have the Broncos 
plus 3.5 at Cincinnati. Broncos plus 3.5. They're in Cincinnati. Cincinnati squeaked one out against the Jets. We won then lost to the Steelers. I'm not as sold as I was in the Bengals a couple years ago. Above average good team. They lost a little bit on the defensive side. The Broncos, I thought, would. I mean, I think everyone thinks they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, but they'll still be decent. Their defense is just unbelievable. It's just going to be how does Cincinnati get around it or if they can get around it. I think Cincinnati can at home, and this will be kind of their defining, early defining game of their season. I think the Bengals will take down the Broncos, but I wouldn't necessarily say that they cover. I think that's a good point when you say that it's a defining early game and it kind of, that's definitely a rallying point for Cincinnati. If they win, then that's a huge thing to hang their hat on. If they if they keep it close, that's also good. I have just been really impressed with Denver through two weeks. I thought there would be a drop-off with Simeon at quarterback, but that defense uh, looks like it has not slowed down from where it was last year. And last year, I think it was one of the best, if not the best-rated defense of all time. And I think that until we see something really, I guess, really crazy, a big upset, I think that... I'm riding with Denver. I really think that their defense carries them a lot, so I'm taking Denver. Next up, we have the Lions getting 7.5 points versus the Packers in Green Bay. Similar to the Bills, it's a September in Lambeau, so it's not going to be like the conditions are an issue. Both teams have been kind of disappointing, especially both their games last week. 7.5 points, I'm going to give that to the Lions. I think the Packers will win, but I, I think this will be... A really, maybe not sloppy, but a really frustrating game for both teams. Mm -hmm. I think that Rodgers is facing a lot of criticism recently for his play. And you know that teams in general always seem to bring it against division rivals. I think that two teams that Rodgers has enjoyed playing the most, and I I don't have the stats to back this up, but I feel like he always roasts the Bears and he always roasts the Lions, it seems. So... I think the spread is high, but at home, I think he's going to come out motivated. He realizes that, uh, I mean, they just lost a big game to Minnesota last week, so this is definitely a bounce-back game, and I think that the Packers are surprisingly going to cover a very high spread, so I'm picking Green Bay. Next up, we have the Ravens, minus one, at Jacksonville. I think these two teams are on the very early stages of trending in opposite directions. Mm -hmm. Um, The Ravens are still a good team that is getting older. They're not necessarily an old team yet. And Jacksonville is still a young team that is getting better, but they're not good yet. So this could be where they cross paths. Uh, I'm kind of, yeah, a little torn on this one. Chris Ivory is, I think, doubtful for this game. And I really think Jacksonville needs both him and Yeldon in the backfield. I think that one person can't carry the load on there. The Baltimore defense, again, is decent, not the great defense that it's been in the past. I'm having a tough one for this one. I'm going to give Jacksonville the edge, though. I think they're going to come out, and they're going to throw, and they're going to be able to do enough to tear apart the Ravens' defense and and expose them and, and win. Plus, they're at home, and I think that the Ravens' offense is kind of hit or miss some weeks it looks good and some weeks it struggles and I could see this as a week that 
they struggle. I think that their coach Bradley is really on the hot seat because he's in his fourth or fifth year with the team and they're saying okay you've had this time to develop like we need to see the results now so I think that Jacksonville should be able to to cover that spread next up we have the Browns are plus 10 against Miami in Miami I don't think any team looking at the Dolphins deserves to be plus 10 (laughs) I would pick any against the Dolphins plus 10 with the almost exception being the Browns, just because of everything that's gone to hell in their, with their team this year. I think the Dolphins win this one at home. They'll take care of it, but will they win by 10? That's the toughest That's the toughest question for me. I think the Browns cover just because they can't possibly be that miserable of a team. If they lose by more than 10 to Miami, and granted it's in Miami, I mean, we might be looking at one of the worst teams in NFL history if the Browns lose this one by more than 10. I think Miami really doesn't have anything special, and it's funny because as you were saying that, I'm reading the review, and it says basically what you were saying. I can't believe any team is getting 10 against Miami, because I think Miami's not a good team, and certainly don't think that Cleveland's a good team. Huh. 10 is a lot. 10 is definitely a lot. Vegas knows something. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Miami, and I don't like saying that, but there's nothing at all to inspire any sort of optimism on Cleveland's roster. You know, they get Josh Gordon back in a couple weeks, but who's going to throw him the ball? So I think that there's nothing really positive about this Browns team. So even though 10 is a lot, I'm going to go with Miami. The next one is Washington is getting four and a half. They are... On the road against the Giants. Well, look at, you know, the NFC East every single year of recent history, at least last three or four years, you kind of all the teams are going to be mediocre and none of them are going to blow you out of the water, but one team's going to win the division 9-6, nine and 9-7 nine and seven or 10-6. and six. We saw Washington do that last year. I think everyone's kind of surprised with Washington that they've taken a step back. They, going into last year, were either going to be the third or fourth team in the division. Everyone said, you know, shoot out between the... Eagles, Giants, and Cowboys, but it's not going to be Washington. Um, I think they're taking a step back to what they should have been. The Giants have looked good in the first two games, although they, the Saints score didn't look as great as it should have been. I'm going to go with the Giants at home. I think they'll cover easy. I think that the Giants' defense has looked really impressive the first couple weeks, and I am a Giants fan, so I may be biased, but I think that Their defense is probably one of the most improved position groups in the NFL so far. And I mean, it's only been two weeks, but they held that Saints offense down and they forcing Dallas to settle for field goals in week one. And I think that that's really positive. We haven't really seen a big game from Jordan Reed yet this season, and he is definitely a playmaker. Plus, you've got the Beckham-Norman thing, which I know people are trying to say, oh, just go out and play football, but I really feel that Beckham is not going to deal with it well, which is really stupid. The Giants will win, but I think that I take Washington with the points, I would say. The next one we have is Raiders plus one and a half playing in Tennessee. I'm going to go with Oakland on that. They're going to win. Titans have a... Titans keep improving their defense every year. They've got a decent defense, but, I mean, Oakland can accidentally now score 21, 24, 28 points, and the Titans just won't be able to keep up with them. Derek Carr looks legitimate. He's got at least two options 
if Andre Holmes steps up too, you've got a good third receiver, and that's just not, not going to be stop, stoppable for this Titans team. They don't really need to run the ball, but they can run the ball. And, yeah, I mean, the Raiders are going to do the same thing every single week and throw it 55 times for 300 yards and three or four scores. So, yeah, I don't think that they'll have an issue with the Titans. I'm surprised that Oakland is the team getting points in this one. I think that even though they've had issues the first couple of weeks, especially on defense, like you said, that offense is really loaded. I would agree with you. I'm not sure why they are getting points, but I will take those points for Oakland. Next we have the 49ers are plus nine and a half in Seattle. Seattle hasn't impressed anyone early. I mean, for some reason, the Rams always play the Seahawks well in recent history. But still, three points against the Rams. The Rams have a very good defense, but you've got to do something better there. The 49ers have an average defense. Their offense isn't going to do anything. I think the 49ers will cover the spread. Seahawks will win. The only way I see the 49ers not covering is if there's a lot of turnovers and they have to play from behind and, and have to throw the ball a lot. Yeah, I think the Seahawks will, will win, but it's going to be similar to the Packer the Packer game. It's going to be frustrating for both teams. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a defensive slug, I think. Neither offense looks that impressive, and I think I'm, I'm definitely in agreement with you. Nine and a half is a lot of points, so I am taking 49ers. Next up, we have... Buccaneers are four and a half point favorites, and they're playing on the road against the Rams. Four and a half favorites. So I'm going to give that to the Rams. The Rams have a good defense. Um, we've seen the Buccaneers do a total 180 in week two on the points. They were absolutely destroyed. Uh, four and a half. I think the Rams will, will play decent defense. The Buccaneers' offense is mm, better than the Seahawks. Should be on paper better than the Seahawks. So. I could see them scoring a little bit more, but I also see the Rams. But all, their defense is not nearly as good as Seattle's. I see the Rams finally being able to run a little bit more um, and maybe opening the field a little more, bit more, getting an actual touchdown on the board. Yeah, I think the, the Buccaneers, four and a half. That doesn't seem to make much sense to me. I'd go to the Rams to win and obviously cover. The Rams have a lot of issues on offense, and you certainly hope that a player like Gurley is finally able to get it going this week they just can't hang with the bucks on offense and i like the bucks to run away with this one i think that they've got a lot of weapons and even though the rams have a very good defense yes i don't see them being there on offense so i'm going to give it to the bucks next one we have is the chargers are getting three against the colts in indianapolis Talk about two dysfunctional teams right now. Yeah, seriously. Um, man, Chargers getting through. I mean, we just saw them put up a ton of points in San Diego. Uh, it's always risky when they're getting three because they, they've been able to score for the last decade. Uh, I think that they're both dysfunctional. They both have a lot of question marks. But the Colts' defense is just so bad, and they just released their safety. Not their starter, but but still. they got a, players coming back from injury. They didn't have a start defense to begin with. I'm going to go with San Diego uh, for this one just because with two teams that are horribly inconsistent, the Chargers are the slightly more consistent team. Okay, I think that this is a toss-up, which uh, definitely goes with the three-point line. Because it's at home, I would take Indianapolis. But like you're saying, you can't really be too inspired with either teams. I definitely think that that game is a toss-up, but... I give a slight edge to Indy 
with the only reason being that they're at home. Next up, we have the Jets are going to get three points in Kansas City. Yes, yeah, so I'm definitely biased toward this one for the Jets. I don't think the Chiefs, especially Alex Smith, their offense has been playing all that well so far, which bodes well for a Jets defense that's above average, a pretty solid defense. They're not going against a, a really good offense that I think they can shut anyone down. Of course, look at the Bills. I think they'll have a couple stop gaps in place to prevent any more of those big plays from happening. It's tough to play on the road in Kansas City. The Chiefs have, again, a very good defense, but for once, I actually have a little bit of confidence in a Jets offense. I'm going to go with the Jets here, and that's probably just because I'm, I'm a homer for this one. The Jets are a team that has one of the best defenses in the league. I think that they might have the best front four in the NFL, and they will be able to put a lot of pressure on Smith. But of course, the game plan for him is always going to be, you know, get the ball out fast and slowly move down the field. I think I would choose the Jets too. I think that their skill position players on offense are very good. Even if Marshall is not able to play this week, Anunua and Decker make a really good pair. Forte has looked phenomenal in two games. I He completely blew me out of the water. And I think that their defense is able to take care of business. So I give it to the Jets as well. Steelers are giving three and a half at Philadelphia. Eagles, surprisingly, are 2-0. and Yeah, that's that kind of just makes me pause for a second. But I don't want to overthink this because then I give the Eagles too much credit and think too much into it. And I, the Steelers are going to win. They're a veteran team. They know what they're doing. They're not going to let a team like the Eagles, like this Eagles team, come in and or be able to win against them. But I'm trying to think of a reason why. I really have no reason to back that up. I, I just, for my gut, I'm going with Pittsburgh. I think the Eagles could play well, could manage the game, could force a couple turnovers and turn it around. But again, I, I just know the Steelers in my heart are going to win this one. The Eagles benefited from two cakewalk games to begin with. They played Cleveland Week 1 and they played Chicago Week 2. And I don't think either of those teams are good at all. I mean, you know, certainly if you're a fan of Philadelphia, I think there's a lot to like in the early goings. Wentz definitely looks to be legit, but I don't think that they can compete in a shootout with Pittsburgh, so I would take Pittsburgh. Next we have the Bears are getting five and a half at Dallas. Bears five and a half. That's a pretty big spread for two teams that are reeling a little bit. I mean, you just can't trust the Bears at all. You right. can't trust the Bears for anything. so dysfunctional. It's in Dallas. You have to give it to Dallas. Dallas can at least sit back and, and run the ball with a, you know young, fresh legs and a good offensive line. And even if it's 3.5 yards a carry, you're going to break through and get a touchdown or two throughout the game. You've always got Des Bryant to throw it up to. The Bears have Alshon Jeffrey, but he looks like he's confused. He's not even out on, out on plays. Um I'm gonna, yeah, Dallas is going to take this one. There's, there's no chance the Bears, unless the Bears miraculously find a way to make all the planets align, but they've been a dysfunction for years now. The Bears are one of the worst teams in the NFL. Their defense is really bad, and Jay Cutler, you know what you're going to get out of him. So I think that you're going to see a very patient approach by Dallas, and I think they're going to have a lot of you know, 12, 14 play drives where they're just chewing up clock and then that's going to end with a touchdown or a field goal. And I think that, you know, they're just going to slowly 
march all over them. So I take Dallas as well. The Falcons are getting three at New Orleans. I don't think New Orleans has done anything or all that much to show that neither team has done all that much to show that they can play defense. Matt Ryan looks rejuvenated. Drew Brees looks, looks like Drew Brees. I think this will be another slugfest. And if we're putting up points in New Orleans, i got to give that to the Saints. Brees definitely plays a lot better at home. I don't see a lot to, I guess, be really excited about in Atlanta. I think that Matt Ryan has showed early in the season that he looks rejuvenated, as you said. Whether he can keep that up for a full season is uh, another question. I think both of these teams have a lot of problems on defense. So I'm actually going to go the other way with it. And you said it was a slugfest. I think that it's going to be a shootout. And it's really tough to go against Drew Brees at home. So I will take the Saints. Those are the picks. No, it's good to be on. Uh, great to talk some sports again back in the States. Uh, all these games are going to be going on at 6 and 9 o'clock. So, yeah, going to miss the Thursday night game. But let's see how the rest of them go. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. We really appreciate having you on. I hope that you're able to keep a regular sleeping schedule despite being five, six hours ahead of us and still able to catch all the sports that you want. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to The Wolf Den. I'm your host, Tom Wolf. Keep howling away.